Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. Our first Bible reading this morning comes from Psalm chapter 1. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. And our New Testament Bible reading for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I'll just give you a moment to turn there in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Well, it is so good um, that so many of you have tuned in and we are starting our new sermon series in the book of the Psalms. Um, But I've got a question for you all um, as I start. Do you want to be happy? I think we all do. And I think our world promises so much when it comes to happiness. Like that famous little red box, I'm sure you know the one that has the, you know, the chips, the golden nuggets, the little toy. The Happy Meal promises so much. Yet I remember when we we bought a Happy Meal for the first time for Ruby. She didn't even eat it. She wasn't even interested. I think we all want to be happy whether it's the milestone, whether it's the relationship, whether it's to be loved or to love, whether it's, you know, making the memories. I'm not sure what it is for you, but I think a lot of us, we, we want whatever that thing is, that thing called happiness, and we, we try to grab it. Yet I don't know about you, sometimes when we try to grab it, it can feel like it's just escaping through our fingers, just like the mist, just like the wind. We want our lives to matter. We want to be happy. And if you weren't already aware, the last couple of years have shown us just how fragile life is. I mean, we're, we're back into lockdown in Sydney. Sickness can can creep up on us and tragedy can strike. So what's the answer as we're trying to 
reach out and, and grab this thing called happiness. Well, as it was read earlier, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, the, the kind of the start to the, the whole of the book, a bit of a framework to the whole of the book, what we see is two portraits, two lives, two people. And the first portrait is of the, the blessed life. The happy life. And what I want to do for us today is I want to show you what the Bible says the happy life or the blessed life looks like. And so if you've got your Bibles, keep them open and we're going to turn to Psalm 1 verse 1 and it says this. It says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Now, that's the Holman translation, but I just want to read what it says in the ESV translation as well. I I think the ESV picks up something really helpful. The ESV says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I mean, when you hear about something being the, the portrait of the blessed life, I mean, I mean, what would you expect? Maybe a good paying job, maybe, you know, the ideal picture, perfect family. But what we see here is something different. In, in verse 1, it picks up the words about walking, standing and sitting. And I think these words are helpful because they just capture the everyday. And I think what the psalmist is saying is, The blessed life or the happy life is the person who doesn't walk or stand or sit in the way of scoffers, the wicked or sinners. In other words, the the blessed life, the happy life is the person who isn't so consumed with the things of this world. It is the life or the person who doesn't neglect God. But it's a person who, as we'll see in verse 2, is filled with him. Verse 2 says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I remember one of my cousin's weddings, and it wasn't because of the venue. The venue was incredible. It wasn't because of the dress or the, you know, the fresh suits or the cute little things. It's always the food, isn't it? And I remember the food. I remember sitting at a table and there was just food spread out before me. It was just like a buffet, but you didn't have to move at all, like the best kind of buffet. And I remember the the meat. It was kind of like that tender, soft meat that just kind of fell off the bone and was rich. And I remember just tucking in and just devouring it. And then after a while, I look up from my plate and I realize that I'm the only one still sitting at our table like everyone else has left. And I just did not care. Like I was just loving life. I was getting filled with this feast. And I think that's kind of the picture that we get from Psalm 1. Like the the portrait of the blessed life isn't someone who neglects God, but it's someone who delights in his instructions. 
in his law. And for the, for the psalmist, that would have been the first five books of the Bible. Yet for us, well, how much more of a feast do we have in the whole of Scripture? But this verse says, well, it's a portrait of someone who delights in, in this book. But not only that, it's, it's a person who meditates on it day and night. I don't know about you, but when you think about the word meditation, maybe you just think of yoga mats and, you know, different kind of weird positions and humming and all that sort of stuff. Well, Eastern meditation is all about emptying the mind. But what we see here is something really different. Christian meditation isn't about emptying the mind, but it's about filling the mind of truths of God's word. And and that's what we see here. This psalm has often been described or Christian meditation has often been described as like a cow chewing the cud, like rolling over a piece of food over and over and over again. It's that that idea of slowly relishing a meal, reflecting and pondering over it until you grasp the magnitude of what you're reading and thinking about and it ignites your heart. The famous Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, said, what we see here is a person who takes God's word with them day and night. And I want to ask you, firstly, would you say that's you? Because I don't know about you, but I can find myself so distracted with the things of this world. And I think for me, I'm not sure about you, but I think the thing for me that is the major culprit would be technology and social media. Now, don't hear me saying that technology is evil and all bad. I think it is amazing because we can actually beam this service to you and you can watch it right now. That is amazing and that is incredible. Yet I think there is aspects of technology that has actually spiritually robbed us, that has made us kind of more distracted, that has made us kind of just when we read God's word, we, we kind of just read it at more of a surface level and we kind of move the, the bookmark along but we're, we're not deeply thinking on it. Maybe that's you. I, I know for a lot of the time that's me. But the portrait here of the the blessed life, the happy life, is is the person that doesn't neglect God but feeds on what he says. But the psalmist kind of gets out the paintbrush and kind of adds some more brushstrokes to this first portrait because he describes this this person, the, the blessed life, as being like a tree. Let me read as it says here in verse... Three. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. See, this is a person who is truly alive. It's, this, this person isn't like a wild tree that kind of springs up randomly, but this person has been planted intentionally in a particular spot by streams of water so that no matter what barren winter season comes or no matter how strong the winds blow or even if a hurricane were to hit, this tree is strong. 
because it's beside water. And not only that, it grows and it flourishes and it bears fruit. That's the picture of the blessed life because this is the person that dwells upon what God says. Now, wherever, you're, wherever you are this morning, today, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you properly stopped and experienced the soothing balm of God's promises, the flowing streams of his word, reviving and refreshing you, changing you. The first portrait is of the the blessed life, the happy life. But the psalm continues. And the psalm doesn't just paint one portrait, as I said, it actually paints two. And the second portrait is quite different and it's not as glossy, it's quite bleak actually. And so we're going to look at that second portrait now. It says this. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff, as I'm sure some of you may know, is the husks of grain that doesn't really have much substance. They're kind of wafty. And even the slightest little breeze can just blow them away. I mean, what a stark contrast. We've just been reading about this big, strong tree. And then in contrast, we now hear of this chaff that can get blown away. And a question you might be wondering is, well, who is that? Who are the wicked? Because that kind of seems quite severe to call someone the wicked. I mean, and surely it's not me, is it? Because I'm like I'm a pretty good person. I do good things. I'm kind. I, I give to charities. I stop to people in the shopping malls. I even come to church. I even, as you were just saying, Chris, I even read my Bible. And so surely, surely that means that I'm not part of this group. Surely that means I'm not part of the wicked. And yet the Bible would say that we can do all of those things and we can do all of them and still ignore God. Meaning we can do all of those, those things and still be a part of the wicked, of the chaff, still be on that wide road as Tim read for us from Matthew 7. But the psalmist continues and then describes what's actually in store for the wicked. Let's take a look. They say this, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This says that those that live opposed to God will actually get what they want in the end, an eternity without him. Hell. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat this. Receiving what our neglect of God, our sin has deserved, which is judgment. 
And when Jesus returns, when the wind, when that strong wind comes, the chaff will not stand. As I said, do you want to be happy? Is that something you're reaching out for and you're you're trying to grasp onto and it keeps on slipping through your fingers? I think our world would say that happiness is probably found apart from God and yet here we see a different story. We see one portrait of blessedness and one portrait of destruction. And yet I wonder if you're thinking, well, what hope is there for any of us? Because surely all of us at times have ignored God and surely all of us at times have taken advice from scoffers Surely all of us are actually a part of the chaff. And the Bible would say, well, that's true. At one point, all of us were. And the Bible would also say that there was actually only one person that fully fulfills that first picture. And that person is Jesus, the one who lived 2,000 years ago, the man who claimed and showed that he was God. See, this was a man who didn't walk and who didn't sit and stand in sin. He was a man who fully dwelt on God's word. It just flowed from him. He was a man who was blameless and sinless and yet Here is a man, the son of God, who longed, get this, to bless the wicked. Who longed out of love to bless those who didn't deserve it, you and me. Yet how would he do this? How would he do this and remain sinless? How would he do this and and remain just? What we see is that upon that rugged cross as Jesus died, he there took our judgment. There upon that cross, he took what our sin deserved. And then he rose again to prove that it was true. So that if we actually come to this Jesus in faith, the wicked you and I, we we will actually be made righteous, meaning we will be made right before God. The wicked will be blessed and the wicked will actually be planted by those streams of water and will have life and life forever. The wicked will be made made into trees, forgiven children. And when Jesus returns, when that strong wind comes and it will Those that are in Jesus, they will not be blown away, but they will stand on that last day. And also they will rejoice. As my daughter said to me yesterday, look, Daddy, the wind makes the trees dance. Because on that final day when Jesus brings in the new heavens and the new earth, our faith will be made sight. And we will come to see and enjoy the one and the only one who truly satisfies.
the one who truly brings life and life to the full. Let me ask again, do you want to be happy? Have you been reaching out for it and it seems to be slipping through your fingers? Do you want what is pictured here in Psalm 1? Well, the Bible says that we don't actually get that by just trying harder and just by our good works and even by simply reading the Bible. And it's a good thing to do. But we obtain it through coming to Jesus. Jesus said to some of the religious leaders in John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, the invitation is to come to Jesus, the one who the law and all of the Bible points to. He is the pinnacle. He is the climax. He is it. He is the centre. And so the call is to come to him and to seek him in faith and seek him and he promises you will find life. It won't always be easy. There will be different seasons. There will be barren winters. There will be frustrations. There will be heartbreak, yet you'll be planted. There will be peace and hope. As Craig said at the start, none of those have been cancelled. For this person, the person that comes to Jesus, will be a person that enjoys a living relationship with God. They will be able to dwell upon his word and grow in him. They'll be safe and secure and they have the hope of eternal life with him. And so the call today is to come to Jesus because he promises those that come to him, he will never cast out. Will we come to him? Before we sing now, I'm going to pray for us. So why don't you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that we would come to Jesus. We would know that life is found in him. And I pray that as we come to him, we would know that through him that we can enjoy you. I pray that we would do this. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.